Hey guys, the latest addition to the Ringer Podcast Network is Winging It with Vince Carter, Kent Bazemore, and Annie Finberg of the Atlanta Hawks. Vince and Kent are going off script to offer a behind-the-scenes look at what NBA players think and talk about when their minds aren't on the court, covering everything from sports, news, and pop culture. The first episode drops December 3rd, but you can subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. It is Friday, it is November 30th, and we are heading into week 13. Lombardi, can we start the ovation now? The Clapper is finally here. Get that contract extension and ready to take Frazier. I mean, we all are going to get Clappers uh, for, for Christmas gifts. I mean, besides Gridiron Genius is a Christmas gift, I think the Clapper would make an excellent one. Look, you got to give them credit for what they've done the last four weeks. As much as we bust on the Clapper, I mean, they're back to being the Cowboys of 2016, converting third downs, playing really good defense, playing less defense, uh, winning the turnover battle. And, I mean, I, I would have never guessed anyone could hold the Saints to 10 points, but they did it. Their team speed on defense is outstanding. Here's a fun stat. Drew Brees, first time he has ever started a game with four straight incomplete passes. That was something to watch out for. The Saints entered this game averaging 37.2 points per game, as crazy as that is. The Cowboys hold them scoreless in the first half. And right now, as it stands, the Rams are now the number one seed in the NFC. So a lot of stuff happened on uh, Thursday night football last night. But the main thing is, it seems as if the Cowboys are a team to actually uh, to reckon with as we get into December, as we get into the playoff race. When you can convert third downs at 50% pace, when you can hold the ball almost 37 minutes, and when you can hold a high-powered offense to under 200 yards, you're a force to be reckoned with. In the last five weeks, I mean, they've been outstanding. I mean, the only thing that kept this game close was the Cowboys were one for five in the red zone. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the best thing, though, Tate Frazier, that ever happened to the Saints. I mean, this gives Sean Payton a chance to recalibrate his team, refocus his team. He's got a chance to bitch for 10 days to him about how they've got to finish strong. They've got to play Carolina two of the next four games. And so I think he can refocus them and re-energize them on the task at hand. And I think if they played this game again in, in Dallas or if they played this game again in New Orleans, I think it would look a little differently. But for that game on Sunday, uh, on Thursday night, they were outstanding. You know what I liked about the game, Tate Frazier, the most? I-, I love people were tweeting towards me about when Sean called timeout with 2.03 to go in the half. Everybody was tweeting. Now, how could he do that? So good. So good. That's how it always Because that's what I wrote in the book, you know, and, and it's really the, one of the dumbest timeouts in football. And it encouraged them to throw the ball, got a pass interference, game over. And we saw one of the, it was one of those times where Sean Payton, as much as we've given uh, the Saints credit for being so forward thinking and progressive with all all their calls and, and how different they have been. That was one of those old school calls where, we, you know, we have been, you know, pointing out whether, we're, whether it be Matt Patricia or, uh, you know, Ron Rivera or some of these other guys we've talked about the last couple of weeks. You know, we saw, we saw Sean Payton do that last night. Also, a funny note uh, on this game, Saints held to 176 total yards. That is a franchise low for the Saints and Sean Payton took over uh, way back when. So um, it, it was a historic night for the Cowboys and, and a historic night for that defense. And we saw that secondary really step up. So uh, exciting times for those uh, down in Dallas and all, and all the fans around the world, especially Michael Irvin. Did you see Michael Irvin? who's very excited at Lombardi. I saw the rant a little bit. I didn't pay much attention to it, but I, I wonder this question for you. Do you think Thomas Morstead's going to go in and bitch about his contract today and want to raise? He had a punt five times. I mean, that's, you know, he didn't sign up for this shit. Like, this isn't what I call. This isn't what I was supposed to be doing. Right? It's a lot of work. Yeah. It was a tough Thursday night for him. His legs all sore. Ne- needs an ice bath. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
Well, anyway, but I mean, look, it was I thought it was even though it was a low scoring game, I thought it was a great game. Finally, somebody played some defense and the team speed of the, the, the Cowboys was pretty obvious there in the game and they tackled really well. And I think that was the most important aspect of the game. How jarring is it going to be for if you are a Dallas fan and you are a fan of uh, UT Texas and they're going to take on Oklahoma uh, coming up and you're going to see an offensive explosion after what you just saw last night as a Cowboys fan uh, with the defense taking over an entire game. I mean, it's going to be quite the dichotomy this weekend, I'm sure. It really is. I mean, it's going to be interesting. I mean, this this Kyler Murray kid, I mean, he keeps making plays. I don't know if this game's going to be as close as the, uh, you know, was the last one with Texas coming out the victor. I don't know if Texas is playing as well on offense now as they were back then, but and I think Oklahoma obviously is is just dynamic on offense. I thought that was that'll be a fascinating game to watch. And then I thought the move Cliff Kingsbury going to USC was a real interesting move, uh, especially in light of the fact he had a lot of job offers in the NFL. He stayed in college to go to USC. Perhaps he wants to become a head coach again in college, and that's why he stayed in college. I thought that was an interesting move. Could have gone to. Uh, North Carolina. I heard there was offers to go to North Carolina. And join Mac Brown. Yeah, Mac Brown's building out a staff right now. He's got uh, Dre Bly just signed on today. Very excited about that, Lombardi. I don't know if you saw that. Dre That's Bly. awesome. Yeah, That's no, awesome. I know course. you have a Dre Bly jersey. I know you do. I know. Uh, I do. It, it, did Gene Chiswick officially go with him to there? Because you have Greg Robinson and Gene Chiswick there? No. So it's going to be uh, Tyler Thigpen and uh, Gene Robinson. So basically Gene's coming in to to lay down the foundation for the defense. And then Thigpen's a younger guy. Played at Carolina. Was at Tennessee before. Uh, with Butch Jones, and then he'll take over probably once uh, once Greg you know decides to retire for good. Pretty good setup. If Greg blitzes from depth like he used to do in the NFL and he did in college, I'm going to go berserk. The worst play in football now on defensive football, and I've seen some college teams do it, it drives me absolutely insane, is when you blitz from depth. And what that means is if you try to take your – free safety and you creep him up and he's about 10 yards from the line of scrimmage and then you blitz him from depth that's just it's like you're not blitzing because the quarterback sees him coming he gets rid of the football Peyton Manning put an end to Greg Robinson's blitzes from depth when he tried to do it when he was in Kansas City with Dick Vermeil and and he and uh Peyton was in Indianapolis that shit ended long ago he better not be doing it well, I hope not. Now you got me all worried. I'm going to keep an eye on that. Make sure he's not blitzing any safeties. Uh, if, if you're going to blitz a safety, just go ahead and send him like Paul Amalu, right? Just let him jump over the line. Exactly. But it's interesting to note, when I was in Oakland with with Gruden, Gr- the guy that drove Gruden crazy, and this is when we were good on offense, not the way they are now, but the guy that drove Gruden crazy all the time was Greg Robinson. Mm. And the reason he did is because Greg Robinson was so unconventional. Gruden likes convention. He likes to be able to say, if I get into 22 personnel, you do this. If I get into that, you do that. And then he can alt- change, he can modify his game plan. Robinson was just like all over the place. There was no rhyme or reason. It drove John crazy. And I used to always say, like, John, they're giving up like 30 points a game against everybody what what are you so upset about and you know he would be like he he thought the broncos defense when robinson was there was like the the 64 packers he thought they were like the bears in 85 i mean you yeah i mean it was like unbelievable but anyway too much on greg robinson uh we're gonna get to the five games that we do the weekly sit down where lombardi you give out your five games to watch out for uh this week we have week 13 we saw last night obviously the cowboys and the saints we just mentioned that game first game that we have on the docket this week for you lombardi we got the 49ers traveling up to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. And if you look at the line on this game, the Seahawks are favored by 10 in this one, over under right at 46. Checking this one out, Russell Wilson's been on a hot streak. What do you see in this one, Lombardi? I just think this is two two teams going in opposite directions. I mean, the 49ers are just a bad football team. They went down to Tampa Bay. And when you get shellacked by Tampa Bay, you've got some real issues. I thought he should, you know, look, I'm no C.J. Beathard fan, but I thought 
Nick Mullins wasn't very good. I thought Nick Mullins was a backup player. And I think the Seattle team's peaking at the right time. I think they're able to run the football effectively. You can run the ball like Tampa did last week against them. I just think to me that, that these are teams going in opposite directions. And I think Seattle is going to have a convincing win. And I think Seattle, San Francisco is going to have to make some significant changes to what they're doing this offseason because they clearly don't they clearly don't have it. And whether Garoppolo played or not, it's not there. I think Kyle's in for a rude awakening. I thought that was an embarrassment last week. When you look at it and you sit there and say, you know, you're playing the you're playing the Dirk Cotter uh Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you know and you let them just do whatever you want on you to give up 300 yards passing and you know you only score nine points against that defense I mean seriously you give up 412 yards you only score nine points against that defense and you know I know you rush the ball for 148 yards but you could you throw it front of 200 turn the ball over another two times I, I really like Seattle here Tate Frazier is there a chance that we see uh Shanahan you know he's had some success against that cover three defense that Seattle likes to run is there a chance that he can get, you know, Mullins and Kittle and some of those guys rolling and maybe get that passing game going a little bit like we saw the, you know, the first week that he came in or I don't know, it looked like a lost cause uh, last week in Tampa, but sometimes it does when you go down and travel uh, to the Buccaneers. Look, I mean, the last four weeks, okay, they've played Arizona, Oakland, New York Giants, and Tampa Bay. None of those teams are any good, Mm -hmm. and they're one and three against those teams. So what does that tell you? They're not a very good team. The last time they played a good team were the Rams that got beat by 29 points. You know, and they lost to 10 points to Arizona. When they go on the road, it gets even worse. You know, they turn the ball over and they just turn the ball. They've had 22 turnovers in 11 games. I mean, you can't win football games like that. And so they have, you know, the the quarterback's going to be an issue and they can't really control the run game. I think their problems defensively, they're so unsound defensively that I just think to me, Seattle will run the football effectively on them. Next game that we have, we have the Colts, the Indianapolis Colts team that's also hot this past couple of weeks. They're going to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Indy's O-line, one of the best O-lines in the game. We know about what the Jaguars' D-line has been able to do in the past. Um, looking at this game, Colts favored uh, by four in this one, over under at 47. Uh, Lombardi, obviously the big story here is Leonard Fournette gets suspended for this game after his little altercation. Tried to appeal it with the league office. League office says no, so he'll be out for this one, so they will not have uh, Leonard Fournette to rely on for the Jaguars' running game. Um, do you expect the Colts to go down there and uh, keep it going in the division? You know, I really do, Tate Frazier. I mean, look, I I mean, I don't have any confidence that Cody Kessler can do anything. Not that I'm a Blake Bortles fan, but I think the fact here is, do you realize the Jaguars are 26 and 52 since 2014? Mm. They're 8 and 31 on the road. I mean, we keep making this Jaguar team like they're some kind of great team and they're not, you know, and their offensive line has been decimated with injuries. And when you look at the Colts over the last three, last five weeks, they're 31 for 59 on third down. They've had four turnovers and three of those happened last week. You know, they've been able to run the ball effectively. They had 150, they've had 154 passing attempts and 154 rushing attempts. I mean, that's really amazing in, in, in what they've been able to do with their balance. And so they've scored 34 points a game. They've only played less than 29 minutes of defense. I think this is really a, a, an opportunity. It's going to be interesting. I don't know if they've done it yet, if the Jags activate Tanner Lee. I mean, because if, if McKessler gets hurt, you're back to Blake Bortles again. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if they ha- actually ha- you know, take the kid Tanner Lee off their practice squad who transferred from Tulane, um, and he played at Nebraska in a pro-style offense. Very inaccurate with the football, but still. I mean, I think this is another case of two teams going in different directions. The Colts are going one way, 
and obviously the Jags are done. And this is the first game we'll see without Nathaniel Hackett and obviously without uh, the Blake Tannick, Blake Bortles in there starting at quarterback. Uh, Scott Milinovich, I believe, is now the the uh, will be calling plays for them. So we'll see if this will be the first time that uh, this offense can turn around, maybe under uh, you know new leadership. I don't know, Doug Marone. Uh, says that he hopes things will get better with the passing game uh, under Kessler, and uh, we'll keep an eye on that. But for the most part, I believe this will be a week where uh, the Indianapolis Colts can open up that offense a little, a little bit. It might be one of those games, Lombardi. I mean, we saw uh, the quick strikes from Luck the first time that they played a couple weeks ago. Um, I could see them with that offensive line taking some more shots downfield, and I don't know. There's a chance that Luck could put up some big numbers, I think, in this one. I think so. I mean, I think this is two teams, one focused and the other one's not. So mm-hmm. I, I obviously, I like the Colts here a lot. Yep. Uh, next game we have on the docket, we have the Los Angeles Rams traveling to Matt Patricia Land to take on the Detroit Lions. Uh, the Rams are favored by 10 in this game, over under set at 54 and a half. Rams coming in hot in this one, Lombardi. Lions obviously have been struggling quite a bit, uh, even though they did have that nice win over the Panthers not too long ago. Uh, what do you expect to see in this one? Well, you know, the, that's they're one and four in the last five games, too. You know, they can't convert third downs. They're 26 for 23 for 26 on third downs. They've turned the ball over nine times. I think with no carry on Johnson, no Marvin Jones, I mean, who's going to make plays against the Rams and who's going to keep pace with the Rams? The Rams are a good road team. They've only turned the ball over four times on the road. They're four and one on the road, and they've run the ball for over 140 yards in most of the road games except one, which was the New Orleans game. They didn't do that because they got so far behind. Uh, I just don't know how. The, the Lions can keep pace of this game. I think this game gets out of hand. I think the Rams are rested, ready to go. I think they'll put a lot of points on the board against a slow Lions defense. I think the Rams have a huge day. And it is one of those things where we've seen some miscommunication on the defense uh, with the Lions over the last couple of weeks. And the Rams, we know Sean McVay, we talked about it a lot on this podcast, he does like to attack defenses. This will be one of those games where he tries to attack a lot of mismatches uh, on, on the Lions, especially in the secondary for the Lions. So uh, something to look out for in that one, uh, especially a chance for a high-scoring affair again uh, with the Los Angeles Rams. Next game we have up, we have the Carolina Panthers traveling down to Tampa Bay to take on uh, Dirk Cutter and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As you mentioned earlier, they have not been so great, but uh, for the first time in this one, uh, Mike Mike Evans will have a, a, a nice matchup with this Panthers secondary, a secondary that has struggled quite a bit, especially last week late in the game against Seattle. The Panthers are favored by three and a half in this one, and the over-under on this game is 54 and a half. Uh, Carolina traveling down there. Offenses look great. Defense has looked pretty subpar. What do you expect to see in this one in a divisional matchup, Lombardi? I, I think they got to turn this thing around pretty soon. I mean, I've been on the Panthers for the last three weeks. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep rolling with them because I think I think they've played well. I mean, they've blown some games by decision-making, not by how they're playing. I mean, offensively, I think they're really good. I mean, McCaffrey's been sensational. The fact that Jack's – the fact that – Deshaun Jackson's not going to play for Tampa. O.J. Howard's not going to play. I think that helps Carolina's defense a lot. I just think, to me, Cam is too good of a player. I think he'll be able to win this game and take advantage of a really bad buck defense that that wasn't being able to take advantage of the last time uh, last week. I mean, the last time these two teams played, you know, they had uh, over 400 yards of offense. The Panthers did. They were able to they were able to make a lot of big plays. They were effective in the red zone. They were five for five in the red zone the last time they played. So I just, to me, I think this is a desperate team in Carolina. They need this game. They've got to win convincingly. I'm going to keep riding Carolina because I think they're better than a six and five team. I think this line is reflective of Carolina's three losses in a row. And I think they're a much better team than six and five. 
And what happens? I mean, the, the, you know how some of these divisional games go. I mean, one of the the ones that people point to, the Patriots traveling down to Miami, a lot of times it's just a weird game where where odd things happen, despite how good you know both teams may be at the time. Carolina has had some of those struggles with the Buccaneers. If they go down and lay an egg down in Tampa Bay, lose four straight, uh, do, do you think the fingers start pointing around in in Carolina and people start looking at Rivera? And you know, you do have a new owner, a guy who didn't hire Rivera and didn't bring him in. And you talked about some of those uh, late game decisions that ended up costing the team. Um, is there a chance if if things do go awry here that we do see some finger pointing going on? Oh, I think there's. I think this is their season right here, Tate Frazier. They go six and six, so they don't do. They don't win this game. I think things are in real trouble. I really do. I think that things are in trouble, and I think the new owners obviously he's going to start fresh with whatever he wants to do because you know you're all predicated based on what you've demonstrated, and I don't think he's demonstrated his ability to win games and close out games. I mean, they're better than six and five. I mean, they're just you watch the games. They turn the ball over. They don't get the ball in the red zone. You know, they got the ball first and goal. I mean, they can't make mistakes they go for two don't last week they try the field goal yeah I think this is a this is a make or break time for them and one more interesting note that uh, I cannot remember the name off the top of my head but someone sent this over to me uh, Christian McCaffrey has a chance to go if he finishes out the season uh, at, a, at a rapid rate he could go a thousand yards rushing a thousand yards receiving with a hundred catches it'd be the first time that has happened in NFL history I thought you'd I thought you'd find a nice little triple double there Lombardi in football I mean he said like I said all year I think he's the most improved player he's one of the guys that understood what he needed to do to his body and did it I mean it's just really remarkable I I think this is a credit to him and his dedication and really understanding what he had to do and how he had to do it fifth and final game of the week we have the Denver Broncos traveling to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals when you study Denver the last two weeks, I think Denver's been one of the most fortunate teams in the NFL. I don't think Denver's won the last two weeks. I think the other team's lost. And, and the reason I say that is Denver hasn't turned the ball over in the last two weeks at all. They've given up over 1,000 yards of offense the last two weeks. Okay? Mm-hmm. And they've only converted 20 out of 63rd downs. And, and they've allowed teams to convert 14 out of 29. I mean, they've given up a lot of yards, and they haven't played well. And I think Cincinnati can move the ball. If A.J. Green's back, Jeff Driscoll, who cares who plays? I mean, he looked good in the second half. And I think Denver in this position of being the favorite is bad. Mm-hmm. I don't think they'll be the favorite. I don't think they can handle that road. I know they're not a good road team, and I think they're reading their press clippings like they got a real playoff chance, and I don't think they're very good. And we've seen that before. I mean, as the Broncos have had highs this season, it has been followed up by lows for the most part, and it's been very up and down, a roller coaster to say the least. You mentioned Driscoll. Driscoll's an athletic guy, a guy that can get outside the pocket. And then, you know, we're going to have A.J. Green matched up on Roby, and there's a chance that, you know, A.J. Green has one of those big days where, you know, no matter where Driscoll throws it up, as long as he throws it deep enough, A.J. AJ Green is, you know, can run a Underneath the football, and maybe there's a chance that Cincinnati bounces back, uh, bounces back this week after uh, that abysmal showing against Baker Mayfield and the Browns last week. Um, any other games, Lombardi? They're going to keep an eye on. Obviously, Minnesota traveling to uh, to New England. Yeah, you know, I, that, I stayed away from that game. I know Belichick really understands how Mike Zimmer coaches defense and has had great success when Zimmer was in Dallas and then Zimmer was in in Cincinnati. But to me, I don't know how well. I mean, again, the Patriots won by double digits last week. How well are they playing? I don't know. The game that I really was interested in was the Browns game. I thought the Browns, you know, getting six 
points against the Texans. I think the Texans are overinflated uh, on their number, and I don't think that they're really there. So, but I stayed away from it because it just, you know, I'm not comfortable when the, you know, the Browns have played really well the last three weeks. They beat Atlanta, they beat a bad Bengal team, and they lost to Kansas City. So I'm really just not comfortable there. But those are the games. And then the Chicago New York Giant game, I, I thought, you know, even though Trubisky's not going to play, you know, the Giants, can they do anything? I just think to me, Eli, when he sees that rush, he'll throw the check down. I, I don't like that matchup. I don't like the Giants offensive line blocking this Bears front. Yeah. And one more game I want to mention, uh, the Chargers going to take on the Steelers. That's another game where uh, it does feel like the Chargers, they're pretty comfortably set in that fifth seed in the AFC, uh, tra- traveling to Pittsburgh, a team that's coming off that uh, that loss of the Broncos. So could be a chance for Big Ben and those guys to get a bounce back game. And in that one, the Steelers favored by three and a half at home. If I leaned anywhere that Tate Frazier, I was going to go with uh, with Pittsburgh because, you know, Wisenhunt, you know, he's up for this Georgia Tech job. Sometimes those things are distractions as you get prepared. I think Pittsburgh's played really good defense the last couple, the last month, two months of the season, it's just that they turned the ball over. And now they've had their turnovers last week in Denver. I think they'll be more careful with the football. I stayed away from this game. And you mentioned Georgia Tech. We should say before we get out of here and move on to the fantasy guys, uh, we should pour one out for Paul Johnson and the triple option offense, an offense that uh, was so you know revered at once upon a time in the world of football, an offense that you can now only see probably at Navy if you if you want to see it uh, played at a collegiate level at least. Um, and, and Paul Johnson, who I mean, did a great job, 13 years at Georgia Tech, he gave me the rambling wreck. It was a nightmare as a North Carolina fan over the years, and uh, he is a A1 OG original football coach uh, all the way through and through. So I uh, just wanted to say one thing there for Paul Johnson. Yeah, great. I mean, look, the guys, look, he did exactly what he had to do. He understood the situation, and he figured out a way to win based on the conditions of the academic standards at Georgia Tech, and he implemented his plan. you got to give him credit for that. And you got to point out Megatron. One of the greatest receivers we've seen in football played in the triple option one year. So yeah, no doubt. And, and Megatron and then De- Demarius Thomas. One thing I think this guy can do is is obviously he can evaluate talent, right? And Stephen Hill. I mean, not to say that, you know, the, it didn't quite work out in New York with the Jets, but you know, Stephen Hill was a was an absolute force in college for a little bit there, too. Yep, no doubt. No doubt. Nice call, Tate Frazier. Good one to bring back there. Good, 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 good call right there. Thank you. Thank you. Well, this has been another edition of GM Street. This has been the Friday sit down. It is week 13. We are very excited to look at all of these games as we figure out what the playoff picture will look like moving into December. We will be back on Tuesday to break it all down with Lombardi. As always, the Danacy football guys are coming up right after this break. Thanks, Tate Frazier. Whether you're an expert or rookie, you should be betting at MyBookie this football season. If you like to bet a little and win a lot, you can create a big parlay. Pick three teams to win, and if you hit all three, you could turn $100 into $600. Shout out to the Parlay Kid. Bet on college basketball, football, NBA, NHL, custom props, and even eSports. MyBookie has been in business for years. They've got great online reviews, and their mobile site is very easy to use. Sign up this week, and MyBookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. Also, make sure to follow at BetMyBookie on Twitter. They personally respond to every mention and DM and have given away more than $10,000 in free money to their followers this football season. Don't miss out on one of the best weeks to bet on sports this year. Log on to MyBookie right now and use promo code RINGERNFL to get a 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code RINGERNFL. You play, you win, you get paid. And now, the Danacy Football Podcast. everyone, I'm Danny Heifetz. I'm joined by my co-host, Danny Kelly. What up? And our producer, Full-Time Craig. What's up? 
We're here to give you some last-second fantasy advice heading into the weekend. Um, it is the last week of the fantasy regular season for most leagues. Um, yep, yep. So a lot of people have playoff spots at the line, maybe playoff seating, or maybe you just don't want to come in last in your league. Uh, we actually do a beer mile in my home league, which I had to do last year, which was a disaster. Uh, so avoid that if you can. We're going to give some last-second fantasy advice for this weekend. So, DK, shall we... Hop in. Yeah, let's just jump right into it. We talked about this on Monday, but obviously Leonard Fournette is, he ended up suspended. He lost his appeal. So that leaves Carlos Hyde and TJ Yeldon in the backfield for the Jaguars this week against the Colts. Producer full-time Craig asked us if we had to pick one, which player would we go with? I went with Carlos Hyde. You went with Yeldon. Here, I'll just start out with my reasoning. From the last couple of weeks, so weeks 10 through 12, Fournette has had 11 red zone run attempts. He scored four touchdowns. And that's fourth overall in the NFL. Uh, He scored four touchdowns on that. I think he's going to get the goal line work. I think that's what makes him valuable. I don't know if I necessarily trust Yeldon to do enough carrying the ball in in the passing game. He's going to be more, I think he'll be a bigger part of the passing game, but I just don't know if I trust him to do enough to be starting him this week. So I'm going for Hyde and the the potential red zone carries. Uh, I see. I went the other way because... I understand where you're coming from, but I also don't because right. I think in the games that Fournette's missed, Yeldon has proved that he actually is capable of being like a good, if not sometimes like a great option. And on the other hand, I'm like, you know what? Are you really going to go down with Carlos Hyde? And he probably has a better <laughs> chance at like a LeGarrette Blunt game with two touchdowns. I think he also has a way better chance at like just a goose egg. Yeah. I mean, well, maybe not a goose egg because he's probably getting 12 carries, but those 12 carries might go for 36 yards. So on one hand, I understand he's touchdown dependent, maybe, but on the other, I'm just kind of, I look at Yeldon and I just kind of see the potential for the target. Carlos Hyde has not been targeted in November. So for me, I look at the floor. You're probably, I mean, if, if you, first of all, if you have Leonard Fournette and you've made it to maybe playoff contention, congratulations, but you're probably also just looking for safety. And I think Yeldon's safer. This is kind yeah. of a Jalen Richard, Doug Martin thing, but just on the Jaguars. Yeah, which we can return to, but because actually they're going against the Chiefs, and I actually like both of them. This, uh, I'd rather go down with Yeldon. Part of this, I think, is the fact that like I rode Hyde. He was the starter on the Browns for like the first whatever seven or eight weeks, six or seven weeks, and he was never spectacular as a runner, but he was just getting so many like carries that he was a productive fantasy player. And I'm like, I want to get like more out of him at the end of the year. Maybe that is like terrible logic. But I just think he's got it in him to like. Wait, you're saying that the you you want more out of him to make up the draft? Do you think the Jaguars are going to get more out of him? No, I want to make I want more out of him based on the fact that the Browns traded him in the middle of the season, and he became a fantasy irrelevant all of a sudden. Oh yeah, but, that's terrible logic. <laughs> but I see where you're coming from. Obviously, since we disagree on it, I think it's it's kind of a, a interesting situation to go into with the with one week left in the regular season. I, we can let the listeners decide, and they'll they'll know who to roll with. They don't trust <laughs> among us. Um, next one, Josh Reynolds and the Rams. Um, I thought Reynolds' ownership would be way higher. Uh, so obviously, the Rams just came off a bye. He replaced Cooper Cup, not exactly, but he's really kind of filled a lot of the volume that Cup used to occupy. Mm-hmm. Although they're also using Robert Woods in this slot too, so a lot of the usage has flipped around. But the Lions have no cornerbacks. I mean, Darius Slay is very good. Uh, the people after Darius Slay are very bad. If you want to know more about that, ask any Lions fan. They're terrible, and this is just a really great matchup. Obviously, like they just came off that Chiefs game, but Reynolds has just been crushing it every time he's been able to start. I don't see why this would be any different because the Lions are so depleted. Whether he can just keep dropping touchdowns every week after this, I don't know in the playoffs, but I mean, I, I love him so far. I think he's a fantastic option, especially if he's still sitting on your waivers somehow. 
yeah, I'm in on him too this week. Uh, next guy, this is another situation where you got to kind of decide between a few different players. Michael Tra- Crabtree, John Brown, Willie Sneed of the Ravens going up against the Falcons this week, who obviously has a bad pass defense and gives up a ton of points to uh, to receivers. They're the, they give the eighth most fantasy points per game to receivers this year. But I'm just like, again, I'm I'm worried about the lack of volume in this passing offense with Lamar Jackson under center. I think it, Jackson's looking like he's slated to start again this week. In the last two games that he started, he's obviously changed their offense completely. He's made it into a very, very run-heavy scheme. He has thirteen. Com- he had thirteen completions in his first start, fourteen in his second start. So there's very few passes to go around. In those two games, a total of three hundred twenty-eight yards and one touchdown through the air. So like, it makes me worried with all three of these guys. I think if I'm going to go with anybody, it's almost like sort of ass backwards, but I would still go with Willie Sneed, even though he had an incomplete goose egg last week. I think it's more of a dart throw to go with Crabtree or Brown. <laughs> I don't know. Lamar is playing, so obviously Lamar Jackson is playing this week. After that, maybe it's a quarterback competition, but I think Lamar will continue to play. I would yeah. not play any of these guys as long as Lamar Jackson is playing. And I love Lamar Jackson, but right. I don't love what he means for passing. I would not play any Baltimore, anybody in the Baltimore passing attack as long as Lamar's starting. Just because yeah. we have no idea what's going to happen. Who would have thought the only startable player in the Baltimore Ravens in week 13 is a guy named Gus Edwards? <laughs> you mean Gus the bus? <laughs> Gus the U-Haul, yeah. <laughs> no one's calling him Gus the U-Haul, bro. It's Gus the bus. Stop trying to make the U-Haul happen. We're, we're, and to people who are upset about the Jerome Bettis thing, yeah. when was the last time anybody thought about Jerome Bettis? Still, I, I that's mean, his nickname. Guy. I'm sure he's amazing. That'd be like if you called a basketball player like Air Johnson. You just can't do that. There's Air Jordan. You can't do that. <laughs> That was a no. perfect example. Um, oh my god! No, it's Gus the bus. All right, uh, next one, Cortland Sutton. I think this is where I think we just cut bait. Cortland Sutton on paper, this is an amazing matchup. They're going against the Bengals. The Bengals are just absolute dumpster cr- trash. I mean, they had that stretch for where they gave up 500 yards every week for th- three weeks in a row, which had never happened before. They also just got shredded by the bro- the the Browns. And on paper, this is great. We love Case Keenum as a streamer, but basically, it comes down to this for me. Here are Sutton's lines on the entire season, just straight fantasy points in half PPR. This is what he's accrued since week one. Five and a half, 1. 1.4, 4.7, 6.6, 8.8, 7.3, 9.3, 9.3, 7.2, 9.3, 1.9. Yeesh. First of all, it's a lot of 9.3s. Second of all, you're basically asking he's going to have the best game of the season. Maybe he will, but are you going to like bet your like fantasy playoff spot on Cortland Sutton having the best game of his NFL <laughs> career to date? Yeah. Um, he has very good chance to, but I can't bet on that. I can't put my playoff spot on the line for that. There's so many other receivers. So would you start Cortland Sutton over every wide receiver on the Ravens? Oh, my God. I hope that's not a choice you have to make. Oh, my God. I would. I think I I'd would. probably roll, I'd roll Sutton over the Ravens, guys. I really, I, I'm serious when I say I would not play any of them. So it's like the Crabtree thing. He got the touchdown. <laughs> but like, it's just, you have no idea. No one knows what they're doing. Literally, the Ravens said they're going to do everything possible to obscure what their plan is. And so much of projecting anything is trying to figure out what that is. And the like that is Harbaugh's whole thing right now is obscuring things with the Ravens. So at least with Sutton, we know this is a good matchup. We have no idea what the Ravens are going to come out and do. And they're, they're a running team with Lamar and Jackson, not just because Lamar runs, but because the system they're really doing now with Gus Edwards, which is why Alex Collins has become like a little irrelevant, is it's just such a different thing. And they're running almost... 40 or 50 percent better yards per carry or something nuts since they since they came in so they're a running team now 
Yeah, yeah. But so yeah, Sutton over the Ravens. But I also don't like Sutton either. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I'm out on him. The next one is actually another really tough decision, I think, for people in the fantasy playoffs or trying to make it in the fantasy playoffs right now. Alshon Jeffrey and Golden Tate of the Eagles going up against the Redskins this week. Question is, would you start either or any either of those guys? Neither. Both have kind of fallen off the fantasy radar. Alshon Jeffrey looked like a prime trade target when he first came back. Had like a couple of really, really strong weeks. He's totally fallen off. Uh, week 10, he had four catches, 48 yards. Week 11, four catches, 33 yards. Last week, three catches, 39 yards. If you look at, he's actually third in targets on the team in the last three weeks. Tied for second in receptions, but fourth in air yards, fourth in average depth of target. Uh, and this week, I think he's probably going to draw Josh Norman. So it's just, the Jeffrey thing makes me very nervous. If you have anyone else, I probably would air with caution and just expect that he's not necessarily going to have, like, all of a sudden come back. I do, like, I like that Philly offense more than they've, like, they've been playing very poorly compared to what I think they could play like. But it's just, again, it's a, it's a risky proposition going into the fantasy you know, last season or last game of the fantasy season and just banking on that happening. And same deal with Golden Tate. I mean, your whole theory about new players on new teams is definitely holding up with Golden Tate. He's been used very, very strangely by by the team. Just, you know, he's got 16 targets the last game. They're force feeding him the ball, but he has just 8.7 yards per reception, no touchdowns. Last week, four catches, 30 yards. The week before that, five catches, 48 yards. I, yeah, n- neither of them I have much confidence in going into this week. Yeah, with, with Alshon, I just think him and Carson Wentz are rusty. I, I like because you know Wentz obviously missed most of the training camp. Like you know, Foles took over, and Wentz wasn't in contact drills. And then Alshon also had an injury to begin the year. And I just don't think that they've been on the same page for a lot of the season. They were they've had a lot of few, like very close calls, but like just. There were, there were a few moments he's just missed Alshon, which should have been touchdowns and slants and things. And mm-hmm. Tate, obviously, is like the exact opposite where he just came in. I actually think that they might have a good week this week, but I also understand if you completely lost confidence in them. So I'm I'm actually – I'm more bo- – to, to rank these guys we've been talking about, I do Alshon and then Golden Tate. I actually mm-hmm. like both of those above everyone else we've talked about at receiver so far by like a yeah. fair amount, as, as weird as that is to say. Actually, even me, the Golden Tate hater, Especially in PVR. I mean, like, I would play, I would be more willing to play Tate in PVR. He's had 16 targets in two games. So, I mean, the volume is going to be there to see if he can just make more out of those targets this week. Uh, yeah. We're going to do a stargazing this week, right? Yeah. We're going to, so, I mean, look, Jarvis Landry, I don't know if he's a star anymore. I mean, but <laughs> I think he, he got he paid like a star. So, we were, we were going to roll with it. Um, He's just been I, – I just thought this was like a great encapsulation of like the whole season of like for him because if you've had him, you've basically probably been playing him and he's just been so mediocre for the whole season, just so thoroughly eh. And then he's just been bad, straight up bad the last three weeks with three fantastic matchups. Yeah, I mean the yeah. Chiefs got 50 yards, Falcons 22, the Bengals got 30. I mean everyone on the on the Browns team has been eating except him. And then Freddie Kitchens gets hired, the Browns – the whole offense picks up. One of the things they're going to try to do, Freddie Kitchen says, get the ball up quicker, more things closer to the line of scrimmage if they can. You would think that's great for Jarvis, and then he has three of the worst games against this great matchup. It just he's been so infuriating. Um, Full time Craig threw this one in that uh, yards per target for the hundred most targeted players this season. You know, Tyreek Hill is like fourth at eleven point eight, Julio Jones at nine point eight, uh, James White, the running back, is at six point oh, he's at eighty eight. <laughs> Jarvis Landry's at five point seven. 95th overall. That's 95th among 100. 
I, I really just picked Jarvis because I think he's a good avatar for a larger conversation about people that you put draft stock into that have not panned out and what do you do with them? Swallow your pride. I, I do subscribe. Maybe this is cave. Yeah, exactly. There's a caveman Neanderthal logic I actually buy into for players that are playing well. Like, you know, you dance with the guys who brought you there. Like if you have James Conner or whatever, you know, you shouldn't have any fa- <laughs> sh- shaken faith if he's had a couple down games. You still play James Conner no matter what in the next few weeks. With Jarvis, yeah, you have to – Jarvis or anyone like Jarvis, someone that has really disappointed you and you're hoping that this will be the week, this will be the week, maybe. But like if it's not, then you'll just feel dumb. And like I agree with full-time Craig that the Jarvis – whoever the Jarvis Landry is in your life <laughs> who has just thoroughly disappointed you all season, you couldn't trade him. They were too good to cut. And now you're wondering if you should play him the one week. I would encourage you to – you know what? You've done everything you can. You probably led the horse to water, and they're not drinking, and you got to find a new horse. So, <laughs> so are you out? That's, are you out on Landry? Oh, I, I hope that was clear. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted you to say it. <laughs> but no, Jar- I really believe that because Jarvis is like the perfect example. But everyone has some, some Jarvis. Maybe it's Doug Baldwin. Just whoever, I, yeah. I, whoever you had a lot of hope in, you've carried yeah. all year, and now it's the moment you thought you've been waiting for that they would pick it up, and it's like they might not. Baldwin's an, another good example of that. Luckily, I have David Moore now, so it doesn't matter. All right, let's go into the streamer starting lineup for this week, shall we? Let's do it. Guys who are owned in under 50% of leagues, even mm-hmm. after waivers went through. So if you're really in a, in a pinch, um, these are guys that if you really had to plug and play for whatever gross mismanagement, <laughs> we could figure it out. So We were talking about this before the show, kind of having an argument about who we were going to have for our streamer starter, streaming starting quarterback. Uh, so since we couldn't really necessarily agree on one person, we we decided to kind of just bring all three together. So the three options that we're going to talk about, Matt Stafford, the Lions versus the Rams, Case Keenan, the Broncos versus uh, the Bengals, and then Jeff Driscoll of the Bengals against the Broncos. The O'Driscoll boys. So the first guy that I had on the list was Stafford, and it was sort of based on the logic that, you know, obviously he's been, he's slumping. He's had a bad year. He's had, you know, he's probably having his worst season yet. And they just lost Marvin Jones. So their offense is kind of depleted at this point, but going up against the Rams, I think they're going to have to pass a ton. You know, they're going to be coming back. That was my logic. The Rams are giving up the ninth most fantasy points to, to quarterbacks. Their defense has been pretty porous. So just that sort of foundation gives you the opportunity for some fantasy points, but both Craig and Danny had some other ideas that they, I think they like Keenum and Driscoll a little bit more this week. What do you guys think? Oh my, I, I cannot do not put your, your last gasp in Matt Stafford's hands. <laughs> I, I, I can't emphasize that enough. I, I, with but you will put that, it in Keenum, but you will put it in Keenum. Yeah. Because case Keenum has been okay <laughs> at times and the Bengals are just okay. absolutely horrible on defense right now. Whereas the Rams are good. I mean, I guess the chiefs would say otherwise, but I mean, the Rams are okay and they have a pass rush. And I mean, Stafford, I'm I mean, first of all, Marvin Jones is out. So he's working with a bunch of receivers. Yeah. He hasn't, but that's not the point. Stafford himself has been bad in real life football. Stafford looks horrible. I, I really believe this. Like, like, like he just doesn't look good. He is missing. He's making mental mistakes. He's making, yeah. he's just missing. He's inaccurate. He's all these things. And I think more this year, more than anything is in like illuminated for me, like how much of his numbers have truly been volume. Once the, they got a running game of any kind of semblance with carry on Johnson this year, like it really revealed to me how much of Stafford's like all, all this window dressing just went away and this facade of him. Like, Oh, I'm so over. Him. Sorry. That's <laughs> I'm so over Stafford. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's I like, he, 
The Rams dropped 30 points to them and they have to pass all game. There have been plenty of games like that for the Lions this year. Stafford's not done well. Stafford has averaged 40, about 40 pass attempts in his past five games and he hasn't scored more than 18 fantasy points in any Thank of you, full-time Craig. What is his, uh, what's his floor, Craig? What, how, like, what, are, what are we talking for? His, his floor? floor is five, which is what he had against the Bears last week, or six, which he had against the Vikings in week nine. His last five <laughs> games, 18, six, 17, 13, seven. Okay. And then what about Keenum? We got to talk about, because this is more, this isn't necessarily is Stafford good or bad, but you have to talk about Keenum's last five games, also not great. Here's why. 9, 16, 15, 8, 15. So. But he's going up against the Bengals, which is a big factor. Who give up the most points to a quarterback. Baker may just threw Baker Mayfield just had the best game of his career against the Bengals. I mean, four touchdowns, no interceptions. And I mean, it would have been way worse if the Bengals could have put up any points in like a timely fashion, this final score looked so much closer than it was because they just got up like 28 to seven and then they just let their foot off the gas. But I mean, Case Keenum can also maybe have three or four touchdowns. Fair enough. So I think we're going to go with Keenum and I was sort of using Stafford as the devil's advocate, but but yeah. I do like I do like the Keenum matchup. So, okay, we get it. Stafford's better. the devil. So Danny Kelly on record, <laughs> Matt Stafford is the devil. Yeah, exactly. Um, sorry if I cut you off. That's what I heard. Uh, we do this every week, but Jalen Richard and Doug Martin, we're going to get the combo meal here. They're going against the Chiefs. Weirdly, I like both because Richard's get his targets every week. As we say, Jalen Richard is the human embodiment of eight fantasy points every week. If you want yeah. eight fantasy points, play Jalen Richard. Maybe even you'll get 10. This week, I actually think him and Doug Martin will, will work because there's going to be they're going to be down so much. What are they, 12 and a half, 13 point underdogs? They're going to be down so much they're going to have to pass. I think there will be enough for both of these guys to get both enough dump offs that it'll work. I'm I lean Richard in this case. I think he is like the embodiment of of six to nine fantasy fantasy points if you're really desperate. So um, let's go with Taylor Gabriel, the Bears. Right now, he's actually still own, owned in 35 percent of Yahoo leagues, 45 ESPN. Kind of surprising. He's had a pretty good couple of weeks: 17 targets, 14 so, sorry, 17 targets, 14 catches, 100 yards in the last two weeks. Giants are giving up the seventh least fantasy points for receivers, but. I just think he has emerged in that offense as kind of the de facto number two behind Allen Robinson. Chase Daniel, this is this is a factor. Chase Daniel is expected to start on Sunday. Trubisky's still hurt. So that does kind of, I think, maybe lower his value a little bit. But um, I still think he's a solid streaming option. What do you think of Taylor? A fun, what I think about Taylor is what I think about Chase Daniel, which is that Chase Daniel looked like looks like if Ben Roethlisberger's older brother played like D3 college football and then became an accountant at like, one of the big four firms, that's Chase Daniel. I mean, when you watch him on Sunday, I promise you, you'll think the same thing. Uh, looking <laughs> at receivers specific. real quick. It's, yeah, it's real. Uh, this is a, a, a reach maybe, but if you're really desperate, you really need a receiver this week and you don't know what to do. Quincy and Nunwa really had a great connection with Sam Darnold in the beginning of the year. If Darnold plays this week against the Titans, I actually love Quincy and Nunwa as like a, if you got a reach, like I actually like his odds of a good week better than almost any of the other receivers on waivers. The Jets' offense is such a wasteland. I was so, I had such high hopes for them. Like halfway through the year, they started to kind of click, and then everything just completely fell apart. But he's the kind of guy that just could get eight targets in a game, and that could be potential for you know that's a good streamer for PPR. Yeah, and then all right, I'm I'm not even going to say this name. You say the name <laughs> of the next guy, Matt Lacoste, Denver. Is that it? Just Lacoste. Okay. Jeff Hireman, medium-sized Jeff Hireman, is out for the season. He's got last week. He had three catches, thirty-one yards, and two touchdowns. Bengals are giving up number one fa- uh, most fantasy points per games to tight ends. Good matchup for Lacoste. So 
Again, this is more of a matchup thing. I, I've never really heard of this guy before last week before he took over for Hartman. <laughs> but uh, just potential for volume in that offense going forward. So, yeah. Heir to the alligator pant company in polos. Uh, real quick, I'm skipping around, but if Darnold plays also, uh, the Titans defense, I think, is a fantastic streamer. Darnold was like leading the league in picks. Basically, we got benched almost. Yeah. Um, so he's fantastic. The other defense that I thought could be worth a stream is the Colts against the Jags traveling to Jacksonville this week. Simply because the Jaguars are just in disarray on offense. They're, you know, they benched Bortles, fired their uh, offensive coordinator. They got a new guy in. I don't even remember his name. Now they got uh, Leonard Fournette is suspended. Colts are kind of playing well. You know, if you're really desperate for a streamer this week def- defensively, I think that could be an option for you. I- I'm doing it in one of my leagues. I like that. All right. Well, best of luck to everyone in the fantasy playoffs. If you are competing for playoff spot, oh, Craig, can we get that drop from that line in Gladiator? To those about to die. You don't think so? Should no. I just do it? To those about to die, we salute you. We you can't did get it. That? You did it better. All right. I basically did the same. I am Russell Pro. So there we go. All right. Good luck, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>